Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit us at www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. And I have never left a place without somebody being in my place. I never, I've never just resigned from a church. Um, I, I don't think that's the way you need to do things. So God laid on my heart that this guy here is be the one to take it over. And so my next step was talking to him. I sat with him. He never d- desired to be a lead pastor. And I sat with Jim. I said, man, I really feel the Lord's calling you to take this over. And his eyes got that big and he turned flush white. <laughs> He was like, really? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's you. And so at any rate, long story short, Jim and Mary became the pastors of the Well Community Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, in uh, June of 2012 this year. Um, he's been doing a great job with the church. He was on his way to Philadelphia today uh, to go see his family, and he's coming through Richmond. And I thought, what an honor to have a great friend, uh, dear brother in the Lord, to come and share in our encounter series uh, about the life of Joseph. And so if you will, don't you just put your hands together and give Pastor Jim Bergoon um, a warm welcome here in uh, Richmond. And if you will, I want you to honor him, pull your notepads out, pull your copy of God's Word out, and get ready for a good word today. Thank you guys for having me. I remember that conversation too. It was, it's not even April Fool's, and I said, stop pulling my leg. I really did. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak. Thank you for... Uh, showing up on a cold day. I live in South Florida. It don't get this cold. I came up and I'm like, I'm on my way to Philly and I'm like, I have no jackets or nothing. I have nothing. And I'm sitting there like, my gosh, I hope Santa's good to me this year because I'm freezing. But you know what? It's a great day to be out and hear something from the Lord, isn't it? It's a great day for life change. And I just want to honor your pastor because you guys, I don't know if you realize the gift that you have in this man of God. Amen. See, we got the whole house clapping this time. Because this man, he took me when I had knew nothing, when I was nobody. And he saw something in me, and he says, I'm going to pull the potential out of you. And he loved on me, and he kept loving on me, and he loved on me some more. And then here I am today because of this man of God. And I just honor you, and I thank you for the opportunity to speak. And then, of course, I have to give some brownie points, because you know if you have a microphone and you're a husband, you need brownie points. And I just want to say the most beautiful woman in the world who has stood by me in every second, every moment, my wife, Mary. So, It is the best season of the year, isn't it? Amen. I mean, what other great season do we get to go out and we buy gifts for people? We hang out with people. We go traveling to see new places. It's the only time of year we make provision to go anywhere because every other time of the year we're like, we're too broke to move. We're too broke. But suddenly around Christmas time, we're going to go see family, which by the time you get done seeing family, you're complaining the fact that you went and saw family. But we do everything we can to come and see family. And it's a great time of year, but it's also one of the most chaotic times of year. I mean, if you really think about it, we spend so much time buying gifts and trying to figure out the right gift for people we don't even like anyway. <laughs> I, and we do, and we get so stressed out, and we're like, do, and we do this, and we do this, and, and then we worry because the economy has tanked, and people have lost houses, and things have happened, and all this season is, should be joyous, but yet we're still in the midst of trying to be joyous in a chaotic situation. 
And I don't know if that's where you're at, but I, I can tell you that's where some of the people that I pastor and myself, we see that and we feel the stress of that, that chaotic situation. But I'm here to tell you that it's also a season where God invaded humanity and God came down from the heaven and he encountered his people. It's the season what says, you know what, no matter how chaotic, no matter how crazy, no matter how much your in-laws get on your nerves, God is still with us. God is still among us. God is here. And not only did he show up as a baby several thousand years, or not several thousand, two thousand years ago, he also is here today with his Holy Spirit ready to encounter your life and my life, change our lives and show us there's something better. And that's true for right now at this moment in your time. We didn't, we don't, we're not worshiping a baby. We're worshiping a God who got up off that cross and that he is changing lives each and every day. And if you're going to have, if your heart is open, I, I, I'm going to tell you that today is one of those days where I think your life could change. But we've got to stop treating this holiday as a greeting card. I mean, we go in and we do our, our, our little happy here, Merry Christmas, and yay, yay for Jesus was born. And we almost keep Jesus a secret. But I think that's the problem is we have one of the greatest secrets in the world. I think it shouldn't be a secret. I think that you and I should get a little bit more moxie, get a little bit more courage and start in this season say, guess what? Let's get rid of the greeting card mentality and start stepping up and say, my God encountered me. Let me help him encounter you. And watch not only your life change, but changing every single thing around you. I like this church. You guys talk back. I like this. So let's go ahead and pray. Let's pray this through. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that you are with us. You are near us. You are just ever closer than the breath we breathe. So, Father, I am just going to let you have it. Do whatever you have to do in the hearts of your people. Just use, use me and my words. For, Lord, it ultimately brings you glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this and say you have been set up. You've been set up because, you know what, this is the season where when our hearts turn towards the people, when our hearts turn towards situations, when our hearts turn towards all those things that cause us to be lonely, depressed, upset, and those type of things during this season, it's the very season that God said, I have set you up for an encounter with me. I have set you up so that your life can be changed. I have set you up to bring you up and to get you off your face and to show you that your life does matter and that your life was special and that your life means something. And that's the word that I, the Lord, I believe, is saying all to you guys is that you have been set up for this season as we begin to delve into who truly God is as he encounters you and invites you into a deeper relationship. As he encounters you and invites you maybe into the first time you've ever known Jesus. This is your season. So let's talk about what an encounter is so I can get this kind of, we can get on the same page because I like being on the same page. Because you ever have those people that frustrate you? You think they're saying something, but they're saying totally something else. I know I'm a teacher. I'm in a room full of sixth graders all day long and they say that to me. We don't get it. Let's remove some of that thing and let's get some, some on the same page. Now when I say encounter, I'm saying that God of the universe, God Almighty came down and lived among his people, been with his people, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and is still with his people. That's my working definition of an encounter. Are we okay with that? Are we okay? And you know what? An encounter also is a thing where we have the opportunity to step and soak in the presence of God. 
where you have worship, and these guys on the worship, great job, guys. I was really blessed. My wife was blessed. But it's not an opportunity to hear great music for the rest of us and say, that was cool, or we clap. And maybe some of us, if you're like me, clapped offbeat and hope that nobody else noticed. But it's one of those things where you get to soak in the presence of God and say, God, I am here. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know what you, you know that you're doing, but change my life at this moment. That's what the great part of an encounter is, is God inviting you into that life change. And even the best part of it is you don't have to know how to do anything because he knows. And he's a greater leader than we are a follower. And the better the fact that he's a greater leader, all we've got to do is just receive and follow and say, God, here I am. But we're afraid of intimacy. We're afraid to let go. We're afraid to get in. We're afraid to say, God, I'm here. Read my mail. We're afraid to say, God, I'm here. Just give in my heart and help me change the things I've tried to hide from you for the whole entirety of my life. I remember a story. It's, it's something I was, I used to work at a coffee shop called Jittery Joe's. Hey, yeah, you know, I used to drink coffee too. I was probably their best customer. And I remember the fact that when we talk about intimacy, this generation is so afraid of intimacy because I remember this couple, they were boyfriend and girlfriend because I knew them. They came into this coffee shop and they put their computers down, one on this side and one, they were facing each other. That's okay. But what got worse is they never had a conversation. They talked through Facebook. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you serious? Are you, you guys are dating and you have to talk through instant messengers and Facebook and up st status updates and all this stuff. Why can't you look at each other in the eyes and so say what you were always meant to say instead of have to type it? It's because this generation is afraid to get intimate with God. We are afraid to get naked with God. We are afraid to get in front of him and say, here I am, God. I'll take all of me. Every bit of part of me that I don't like, I'm afraid of, or I'm ashamed of, take me. And I'm here to tell you that God loves that part. Amen. But, we're, but we are afraid of that intimacy. I'm going to tell you, it, it, for all you guys who are on Facebook, if, I don't know if you are, if you even own a computer, I hope you do because this is the generation. Um, if the Bible was a, was, was a Facebook, an updated status, or God had a Facebook, we talked to him. But the problem is, is that God doesn't have a Facebook status. God has the whole universe that we can get on our knees and talk to him. But we don't get a chance to do that. Most of us shy from that. And the very one who says, I want to encounter you. I want to get in your life. Wouldn't that be the one that you want to get down on your face and say, God, come into my life. And that's the one we fall, fall, fall far away from. And we're afraid to have that encounter. But this is the season of change, isn't it? What, here comes New Year's. It's the season of change. It's the season where one year goes away. We celebrate the coming of a new year. So today, today I don't believe in resolutions because by the 26th day, the resolution is over. I believe in revolutions where you're going to revolutionize your life and say, today's the day you decide to allow God to encounter you in a new way. And today's that day where you say, it, the old me is done. God, I need something new because what has been happening isn't working. Amen. That's the places we need to do it. Guess what? God, God honors that. Because everywhere God shows up, life change has happened. When you look in the Bible, Jacob, a man wrestled with God, his life changed. Saul, he got it rode on the Damascus Road, got hit by the glory of God, and it changed his name for Paul. And we're sitting here because of that. Every person that Jesus came into contact, their lives were changed. They were healed. They were delivered. They were saved. Why? Because they had an encounter with God. And because they had an encounter with God and they said yes to Jesus, their lives immensely changed. And there's nobody in this room that says, I don't want my life to change today. Some of y'all, some of y'all, some of I, even I've been at this place where you said, how did I even get to where I'm at today? 
But I'm here to tell you that even though you may feel that way, when you get into the presence of the living God, it will change. It will change because an encounter changes you in some way. You cannot go into the presence of God and stay the same. It is impossible. If you go into the presence of God and you and you have never changed, it's one of two things. You either said no to God or you never got into the presence in the first place. And if that's true, we need to push deeper into it. Because when you get into God and God shows up, you have to change in some way. Because he confronts you with all the things that need to change. And it's painful. And it stinks. And you're like, I don't want this, God. But God says, you, you need to change it. Because if you don't, your life will never get better. And the whole promise with the Bible is that God's inviting you into the best life you can have. He even says, he says you can have the abundant life. But the last time I checked, God's people don't live the abundant life. We live in misery. We live in pain. Because... We don't really allow God into as far as he wants to to change our life to have that abundance. And here's the, here's, the, here's the best thing. Here's the best thing is the fact that we can encounter Christ and encounter God because he first encountered us. Bible says this. Bible says in 1 John 4, 9, it says we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Guys, we, we are a people that strive and say, if we can get it, we'll do it. If we can touch it, we'll get it. All those things. And we'll go forward and we'll go forward. And when we fail, we feel terrible about ourselves. We need to quit putting the responsibility on ourselves and put it back on God and say it's God's responsibility because he touched us first. All we have to do is respond to that. That's it. And the greatest thing is when we had our own way, we went our own way. If you remember in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they chose to go opposite of God. And that didn't work out very well for us, did it? Because now sin is in the world and we spend our whole entire lives fighting sin. But then God so loved us that he sent his only begotten son so that he could die for us and that we wouldn't be condemned, but we can live eternally with God. He fixed our mess up so that we could have that encounter because that was the greatest promise is that when he fixed that mess up, he says, now you can come back into the presence of God and encounter him truly in the way I have designed it, which that's what God's saying. Are we all right in this Holy Ghost house? Are you doing all right today? Praise God. If you'll open your Bibles to Matthew 1, we could talk about a man named Joseph. A guy who is, there's not really much in the Bible about Joseph. He has a few verses here and there, but ultimately Joseph shows up for a short time and then suddenly he's gone. But the things that I think that we do see about Joseph is amazing, powerful, and can really change our lives if we pull some of these things out and say, okay, God, what are you trying to say to us? And now this, of course, is the Christmas story. So you, most of us, if you have raised in church, been near church, or even turned on the, sto- on the TV at any point, you have seen this story played out at some point. You know, Mary and Jesus, they come in, or Mary and Joseph come in, and they have Jesus in the stable. And here's this man, Joseph, and he's just kind of hanging out, but he plays a pivotal role, and tonight we're going to look at that role. Uh, You're going to be at verse 18. Verse 18, Matthew 1, verse 18. I don't know what version you're in, but mine is New King James. The first point, if you have your notes, it says how you respond to God's encounter will determine how big a role you play in his plan. That first word is respond. How you respond to God's encounter will determine how big of a role you play in God's plan. Matthew 1, 18 through 19. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. I believe actually this particular part I chose, the New Living, just in case some of your Bibles say that's not what mine says. Let me, let me break this down. Everything was going great. And if you have been married, hopefully some of you guys have been married a long time. Well, you remember when you met your wife, or if you're not married, you remember when you met that lady, that girl, and she just made you feel great? Or if you met your wife for the first time, and it was the greatest feeling in the world. You were on cloud nine. Everything was going great. And Joseph and Mary, they're, they're engaged. They're, they're having fun. They're going to go. They're going to go down to do what only not married people. They are going to get married and do that, but they're having a joyous time. And then everything went wrong. And they're sitting here and suddenly Mary gets a visitation, an encounter with God and she becomes pregnant. And then Mary has to go and tell Joseph about his encounter with God. And at this point, Joseph is not happy with the encounter with God. Because if you remember the story, Mary comes up and says, uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And jo the story goes like this. It says, and Joseph meant to put her away quietly. He's going to divorce her because in Jewish tradition, if you were engaged, it was just like a contractual thing where you needed to divorce them legally. And here Mary comes up and says, oh, um, Joseph, I'm pregnant and the baby's not yours. So what was a good situation suddenly turns south. And when he, when he comes up and he says, he, I'm sorry, <clears throat> and everything went south and the situation became senseless. He, had, he couldn't make sense of it. It's like, do you remember those TV series, uh, Jerry, Jerry Springer and Maury Polvitz? You remember all those t shows? No? Well, these were these TV shows. Some of you guys, I see that. These are TV shows where you get these guys on there and it becomes just this, oh, he's having my baby. And it's this, let's do the paternity test to find out it's your baby. And they're getting on there and I could just see if these two are on there. And there's Maury and he's like, Mary's like, is it his? It's really his. No, Joseph, it is not your baby. And suddenly Joseph was going to put her away quietly. And But here's the thing, is that Joseph encountered God. Joseph encountered God, and God gave him a dream. And God, and when he says he came, not only did he have a dream, but he woke up and he did what God said, and he was invited into the greatest process that God could have given to Joseph. But can we get real for a second? Can we get a real, because at this point, I wouldn't listen to God, I don't think. If I was Joseph, and I was just told that my wife of several years said, I'm pregnant, and it's not yours, I think I would have picked the biggest stone up and started hitting her with it. I love my wife, but that's what I think I would do. I think that at some point I would chase her out and be like, oh my gosh, woman. No, you didn't. I don't act all holy. You know if your man cheated on you, girls, you'd pick a gun or something and smack him and chase him around. Or you, you do. You, that man never have a second chance. And I think that's where I would be too. And if, 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 I, if we're all honest, I would have gone completely nuts. And I would try to make sense of some sort of situation here. I would try to make sense, but that woman wouldn't stay with me. Until God showed up and things changed. Until God showed up and he began to speak. Until God showed up and encountered 
Joseph. But Joseph, it says, was a just man. He was a righteous man, and he listened to God. And I'm going to tell you what, if you're in a place where everything seems senseless, everything seems like it's an issue, everything seems hopeless, everything seems like you don't know how to push on, you are in a prime position to be having an encounter with God. You're in a prime position. Let's read some more of the story. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill the word of the Lord through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary to his wife as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave them the name Jesus. How you respond to God determines how big of a role you play in God's plan. And Joseph said yes to God. Now you have the opportunity to say either yes or no. And everything, every time we say yes, it gets us closer to God. It gets us deeper into his plan. It gets us to understand who God is and how he works into my life. So when I say yes, I say I go one close deeper in the relationship. And I say yes and I go one close. But every time I say no, I walk away a little bit more. I walk away a little bit more when I say no. And here's the problem because the core of everybody's asking is what am I here for God? What am I purpose? What am I going to do? Who am I, God? What is all this thing? I don't really think or know if Joseph even knew his total purpose or plan, but what I do know is he said yes. He moved a little closer. He said yes. He moved a little closer. And when Joseph said yes to God, he played a huge role in God's plan because he got to raise the word of God. And then when he raised them and he was a just and righteous man and said Jesus grew in favor with men and with God, guess what? Joseph, who was righteous and was the stepfather of God, played one of the biggest roles in human history because he put the foundation of the word that Jesus would have grown up with. Now you can't get much bigger than that to raise the Christ child. But I don't think, like I said, I don't think Joseph really knew the fullness of what was happening. He just said, Yes, God, I'll do it. And today, you and I, where are you and I at? If, like I said earlier, I probably at this situation would have probably said no. And that would have made me go a little bit further to what God's ultimate plan in my life was. If I would have said no to Pastor Kevin a while ago and said, I, 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 me and God made a deal, I'm not going to be a pastor. Guess what? I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't be leading that church. I don't even think I would be in Florida. Because I think if I said no to this, I would have said no to youth pastoring. And if I said no to that, I don't think I would have ever really left Georgia because I was comfortable. And when you live in your comfort, it's easy to say no. But when you live in what God's doing and what God's, where God's taking you and the visions of what God is trying to push into your life, and you, it, it makes you uncomfortable. But the more you live in that, the more you say yes, the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to God, you don't need to know what your purpose is. You just need to know where God is in the midst of your purpose in your life. So say yes to God today. Don't allow yourself to keep telling him no. What is that thing? Because the more you respond to God, the closer you get to him. And you know, God's calling all the time. Everybody has a phone in here, right? 
Well, we hope so, unless you're like, well, even the teenagers have phones now. They have better phones than I do. I go into school with a sixth grader, and they have all the iPhone, i5, all those things. But, you know, if you ever have a phone, mine has like, mine's a smartphone, and it, got caller, it has caller ID, right? And you get, to see, you get a chance to say, oh, I know who's calling, I know who's calling. And then some of those calls, you're like, I, I, ignore. <laughs> I don't like that. Or if you're really smart and savvy with the phone, you have really cool uh, music come on there. And if it's like certain music, yep, that's my mother-in-law, ignore. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, I, I'm making a joke out of it, but there's sometimes you just don't want to talk to your in-laws. And if you are an in-law, we love you. <laughs> but anyway, but you know who's calling. You know who's calling at all times. You can sit there and you can make a judgment call on who is calling you at that moment. And here is the truth. When God is calling and the inter- eternal caller ID shows up, are you going to say ignore God or are you going to answer that phone call? And I'm going to tell you because God oftentimes calls us at the most inopportune times when we don't want him to, when you don't, we don't expect him to, so we hit ignore. And it's in those times where we need to say, okay, let me answer it. Okay, God, what are you saying? Yes, I'll do it. Amen. And that's what Joseph was. Because he, he, it said he talked to him in a dream. It talked to him in a dream. And I'm going to hit that in a second. But are you at this point, when if you look at your phone and God was calling, are you going to answer that and say yes? Are you going to answer that and say, I don't know, let me pray about that. Let me give you an excuse, God, because God's tired of our excuses. God is tired of hearing what we want, what we want, what we don't want, how we can't, how he thinks. God wants somebody, just somebody, to raise up and say, yes, God, and amen, and watch your life become the life that he uses to change the world. I remember, let me tell you the story, and we'll go on. I remember a time I said no to God. I, I literally, I felt, I was on the prayer floor. I, I, you know, I was just as spiritual as anybody else. I know y'all probably glow in the dark in here. Everybody's so close to God. I was one, I, I was, I was, I was on the floor and I was praying and Jason Upton was in the background and I felt like God was there and I heard God clear as day. You're going to be a teacher. <laughs> I don't think so. And you know how you ever get those words when God speaks to you and you're like, you, you really don't think that's God? You start rebuking that particular thing. You're like, no, that's not God. That can't get ye behind me, Satan. But no, it was clear. God's like, no, you're going to be a teacher. And I said, no, I, no, I'm not. And for three years, I walked further. I, now, I still love Jesus, but I was not in what God was doing in my life. I said, no. I said, no. I said, no. And every time you bring it back up, no, God. Nope not doing it. I'm not built to be a teacher. I'm not going to be a teacher. I don't even want to be around kids because I can't play them. I can't play with them. You know, I'm talking like we can't have fun with games. We can't do slip and slides in the middle of a classroom. I'm a youth I used to be a youth pastor. We'd like to do those things. But I knew if I got into a classroom, I'd have to be structured. I'd have to change. I have to be somebody I wasn't. But God was like, come on. No. Well, three years later, I said, I said all right, God, I don't like my job. I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll do it your way because I couldn't hold a job. And so I started the teacher, uh, teacher process, started taking tests and started doing all these things. And I didn't even have a full certification when, God, when I got a phone call from four different schools that said, let me interview you. I didn't even have a certification in a, in, a, in a community where 300 teachers were just fired. I was getting call after call about getting hired. And I was like, all right, God, you're doing something. Okay, we'll do this. And I said yes to God. Do you know God fired me after I said yes? 
I was like, it was like, okay. And I was like, I don't know. It was the heartbreaking time. And, and I, the, my person in, in, my, in my job came in. He says, we just don't need you anymore. Goodbye. I was broken. I went home. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell my wife. I'm so sad. I almost cried. And I remember that was 9 o'clock in the morning. And I was so broken. And I had stepped far away from God. But this is the first time I said yes. And he moved closer to God. And then I said, I said, okay, God, it's up to you. Do you know by 11 o'clock I got a phone call from a school to be a fifth grade teacher? Two hours later, I got hired as a teacher right after God said, you, never, you were never meant to be here. You're gone. Two hours later. And, and, and we go back and say, how big of a role? To this date, I've been teaching. I'm in my third year. A number of teachers have given their life to the Lord. We have a prayer group that meets. We were able to use the school. And I've been able to preach the gospel in a public school that they said, you can't preach the gospel. And I've been doing it for years. So don't tell me something doesn't happen when God says yes, or you say yes to God. Don't tell me it doesn't, because it does. We may not see it, but on the other side of that, it happens. Let's go on a little further. God encounters happen in the places of stillness. God encounters happen in the places of stillness. Matthew verse 1, verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 20. And then we're going to go a couple verses, and it should... Oh, praise God. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said. Then if you flip over to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to hit three verses up. So verse 13 says, when the, they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream in Egypt. Do you get the picture here? And then 22, but when he heard that Aurelius was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. I said, you know, the Bible expresses that dreams, that God can speak through dreams. And he gives revelations through dreams. It's all over the Bible. Matter of fact, Daniel, Joseph, all these people do that. So we got to understand that when God speaks, sometimes he uses the medium of dreams. Well, pastor, I had a dream last night that a 30-foot dragon was trying to eat the city. Does that mean my life is over because the devil's after me? No, you just had bad pizza. But we've got to be very wise in when we say what dream is from God and what's not. And that becomes where the emotions, that becomes where the relationship is so important. And understand that the spiritual community and your pastor, people who hear, hear the Lord, you should bring them to him and not run off and say, I think I've had a dream. Okay, time out. Is that dream really from God? But God uses that medium to speak through to his people. And he encountered Joseph in his dream. And he needed Joseph to be still. He needed them to be really still. And here's the thing. Is that Joseph had to be still because I think if it was me, if my running and running and running and going and striving and going and striving, I think I totally ignore God sometimes. I'm just going to be real. Because I think sometimes as pastors we get up here in a microphone and we want everything to be hunky-dory and okay. There's sometimes I, I strive so much that I just totally miss God. And I totally stop listening because I'm not still enough to hear what God is saying. Or I'm not still, still enough to know that God is speaking. I just need to do it. I got my, my to-do list. And my to-do list is four pages long. And I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do. All the while, God's trying to say, time out, time out, tiger. I got something to say. 
slow down. And he, in the stillness, he spoke to Joseph. And I'm going to tell you something. We worry too much about hearing from God. We worry and worry and worry. Can I hear from God? Am I hearing from God? Can I hear from God? Can I hear from God? Can I do this? And we worry, 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 worry. So where we put the emphasis of God is speaking and he's going to have the responsibility of speaking on us, on our abilities to hear. And in the truth of the matter is, if the Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd, don't you think the shepherd knows how to lead his sheep? Don't you think the shepherd knows how to speak to his sheep that in a way that they're going to understand? Don't you think the shepherd, if he wants to really get into your kingdom, into your world, into your little paradigm, that he can break through? That's the God we serve. And Jesus even said, he says, don't worry. Don't worry what you're going to eat, where you're going to go. None of these things. Stop worrying and start trusting because it says, you know, the Bible is, is, is one of these things that we can trust that God is speaking. You know, trust in the Lord in all of our ways. And guess what? He will guide our paths. Not trust the Lord sometimes. Trust the Lord maybe sometimes. Never trust the Lord. No, trust the Lord in everything. Acknowledge him. He will guide our path. We need to put more emphasis on God speaking and less emphasis on our hearing. Because I want to say that if we're just obedient and we just say, God, I'm here to receive, then we will receive what God's trying to give us. And it's always in those places of stillness where we receive the most from the Lord. Now, I don't want you to think that you have to be still, like you have to suddenly like, God, are you speaking? Okay, I can hear God. Yes. Okay. No, it's not a thought. Because if that was true, I would never stop. If that was true, because a lot of times if I stand still or sit still too long, I fall asleep. I, tell, I do. I have that much energy. But praise God, it's not a stillness of body or thought. It's a stillness of heart. And you can be going and going in your life and going to your destinations and all that and still be quiet and still in your heart to hear what the Lord is trying to lead you. And it all comes back to that relationship. Because here's what I know, is that if you have relationship and time, you have the most vibrant relationship in history. But if you have relationship and no time with the Lord, then you have death. And the more time we spend with the Lord, the easier it is for us to hear the Lord because it says that the Lord is the voice and his sheep know the voice. And it all comes back to time because the, because, because of the Lord Jesus spends time with his sheep. So if you're willing to spend time with your shepherd, you will hear him easier and easier. Joseph himself knew Jesus. Why? Because the Bible doesn't throw the word just man around for nothing. He was a just man, which meant he followed the laws. He spent time with, the, with God in those things. So because his relationship was so strong, he was able to hear God when God spoke. But if you're saying, I, I'm having a hard time, my question, and I would never judge your relationship, my question would say, how is your relationship? And could you spend a little bit more time? And do you, don't, do you need to watch that extra show of TV, or can you just TiVo it and spend more time in the Bible? Do you need to be watching the popcorn pop, just watching it, or could you spend that extra minute or 10 minutes or whatever cooking dinner and just listening to something that God may be speaking through a sermon online? Uh, Pastor even has his sermons online. Why not listen to a couple of them some more? Getting to the place of stillness. Now, we're going to go back to the phone. I like the phone. I'm always on the phone. But here's the thing. When you look at the phone... Did you ever get those bars? Like, 
I'm driving up here, and I'm trying to talk to somebody, and somebody called me. This was just happened yesterday. Hey, you that guy from the church? Yes, I am, ma'am. All right, and then I lost her. All right. Six calls later, I finally got a hold of her. We meet on 6 o'clock Sunday nights, and I almost like, get loud because I started losing bars again at stop. Because the phone was in so much motion and going through so much uh, bad areas that I totally lost connectivity. Totally lost it. But right now I have all my, I have no bars in this place. But if I was outside, I'd have total, total connectivity because it would t- connect to the right place. Let me tell you something. If you're still and you're in the right place, you have the connection you need to get to the person you need. But if you're constantly moving through bad areas in your life and you're constantly moving and you have no connectivity, guess what? You're not going to get the thing you need. And if you don't get the thing you need, how can your life change? And if your life doesn't change, then how can we uh, be able to get God's best in our life if we're, all we're doing is just kept moving and we're not waiting on God and we're not in that stillness? Because it's in the stillness God speaks, it's in the stillness God encounters us, and it's in the stillness where our lives change. Psalm 46.10, I want to say this, and then, uh, be still and know that I'm God. Yeah, everybody knows that verse. Be still and know that I'm God. Not everybody. We've got to stop keep striving for our own victories. We've got to stop striving for what God's do, for what we need in our life, and just relax and rest. And know God is with us. Know God is near us. Know God is got a plan. Because guess what? We don't need to make things happen. That should be freedom. Because you don't need to make things happen. You just need to receive and respond. And it's in those stillness where God speaks. And it's in the stillness God spoke to Joseph. And could you imagine how different Joseph's life would have been? How different the Bible would have read if if Joseph didn't get still? If Joseph didn't say yes to God? We'd have a total different story. Probably wouldn't even show up in the Bible. Turn to Matthew 1.14. If you're already there, praise God. God encounters require you to be someone before you do something. That word there, that word if you're taking notes, that little missing word should be be. God encounters require you to be someone before you do something. Matthew 1.14 So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. When he stayed until the death of Herod and he was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of, the Egypt, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Let me just break this down a little bit, some, give you some thing. If you remember the Bible, it says Joseph was a carpenter, right? Joseph, Joseph built things for a living. Joseph was somebody who could build certain things that I never wish, I never knew I could. You know, I don't know. If people don't give me sharp objects or hammers because I hurt myself. But this guy was a master carpenter. Matter of fact, when you read later, Jesus wasn't even accepted in his own town. They said, well, isn't this Joseph's son? You don't get to be really popular in a town unless you, know, you are good at what you do and people know you. And here's the thing is that Joseph could be a carpenter anywhere. Joseph went to Egypt. And I'm sure Joseph, as long as Joseph found a piece of wood, he can build something. Right? He's a carpenter. His obedience, his relationship of God did not require him to be a carpenter. It required him to be faithful. It required him to be a child of God. It didn't matter where he went. He could always do what he was trained to do. But... In the places you are now, you just need to be someone before you do anything because what you do should always flow from your who. 
and not vice versa because our problem is we have a do problem. We get our identity through what we do. We, we get our identity, oh, I do this, I do this, I do this. I feel good because this worked. I don't feel good because this doesn't work. But we have this do problem. Do, 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 do. And when something doesn't go right, do something else. And do something more. And do more and do more and do more and do more. Aren't you tired yet? But isn't that how we run our lives? When God is sitting here and he's, he's trying to tell us, stop doing for a second and start being someone. Because when you start being someone, do will flow from it. And you can see really what I've been trying to say to you. And I fight this and I fight this. And I can tell you when I first became a Christian up until recent years, I fought because I thought as long as I made people happy, as long as I made people uh, minister to, as long as I did this, things were okay in the world of Jim. But that's where the problem began because it didn't matter how much I did. There's always hurt people. There's always more. And I became tired. I became tired. And then I became really frustrated. And once I got frustrated, I got a little angry. I got a little snippy. Oh, what? Coming at me with the same problem? Okay, let's try this. And I became less loving and more about what we need to fix something. Well, I'm going to tell you, the only person that can fix anything in your life is Jesus Christ. The only person that can fix anything is God Almighty. We cannot fix anything. So why do we strive so much to do in our lives when God is just saying, be still and be? Because if we're going to be still, God will speak and give us what we need and he'll change us to the person of Jesus Christ so that we, when we go out, things will change because now we're doing what, what is really on the inside of us. Let me go back and tell you this, this phone. I love this phone. This is a good illustration. God's not interested in your performance, he's interested in your, pro- in your process. Because we are performance-based. We want to do, we want to be, we want to perform. But God wants the process to take you to a deeper relationship with him. The phone, it doesn't have to do anything. It just is. It's a phone. And because it is a phone, I can make phone calls. Because it is a phone, I can get on the web. Because it is a phone, I can update, I can update Twitter and Facebook. Isn't that cool? But it doesn't have to do anything. It just has to be. And guys, I'm going to tell you what. As people of God, as children of God, we do so much to get freedom. We get do so much to win the blessings of God. We do so much to try to get God to get favor in our life and love us more. But the truth is, is that he can't love you any more than he loves you right now. And no performance is going to make him love you more. But, we'll, but what, 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 we can, what we can do to see more of him in our life is to stop and say, I am a child of God. I am, a ki- a ki- uh, as the old cliche goes, a king's kid. You know, I am that person. And because I am that person, freedom comes with it. Because I am that person, change, chains of my bondages fall off. Because I am that person, addictions fall off. Not because I do anything. It's because God does something in my life. All I got to do is be a child. That's it. Let me tell you a quick story, and and then um, if somebody will come up and play uh, for me. Um, I was a musician, not a musician. I was a, I'm a teacher, and when I got first in the classroom, I had a lot of a lot of problems. Because I was the youth pastor, I was like, hey, we're gonna have so much fun. We're gonna have a good time. Blah 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 blah. My classroom was crazy. I mean, like really crazy. Like the classrooms you see on TV, crazy. I didn't get nothing done. I mean, these kids were nuts. I thought I was going to die. I come home, and I I wouldn't tell my wife a lot of it because um, 
I didn't bring Anna that home. My wife's a teacher too, bless her soul. But I remember being in the classroom and God hit me in the head with this so hard. He says, the classroom's chaotic because you're chaotic. Because you're so all over the place, your classroom just reflects you. And I said, okay, hold on one second. I, I didn't get that. What are you talking about? He says, you remember that time on the, on the, on the floor you told me no? Because it required you to be something that you weren't. Well, now you're faced with it. So what are you going to do? I'm going to say yes and amen, God. And that's what I did. And you know, when I said that, God brought a process into me. I took third year in. To when I walk into a crazy classroom, they don't change who I am. When I walk into a crazy classroom, I change the classroom now. Because I bring structure. I bring order. I bring what these kids need now because God brought me what I needed. But it came down to the place where I needed to first realize I needed to be a child long before I was a teacher or a pastor or anything. I'm a child of God. And right now, it's one of the invitations of God is that if you're a child, you maybe say, I've been a child for a very long time. Well, God's inviting you into a deeper relationship. Well, how can I get deeper? Well, the Bible says deep calls the deep, so God's about as deep as it gets. And he's calling you deeper. And there's some of you guys that may not even know Christ. And he's calling you into a first-time relationship, and he's saying, let me share with you what a relationship's about. The things that um, I share, the things that I preach, the things, those things, I share with you from my heart because they happened to me. I had to learn these things. I didn't start with these things. I didn't wake up one morning, the Bible guru who knows all things. But I've been in the process. And there's days I wake up, and there's days I say, God, I can't make today. And he says, yes, you can. You can you're strong because I'm strong. He said, don't strive, don't do, just be. And you'll watch so much change in your life. And every time I say yes, God, and amen, and I just learn to be still. So if everybody's head will bow, every eye close for me, please. I'm just giving you the opportunity. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you say, you know, maybe I, I, I've been with Jesus, but I walked away, or maybe I never knew him in the first place. This invitation is for you first, and then I'm going to pray over you corporately. If you say, I want to know that Jesus, I ask you just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. Nobody's here watching you. 